Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hi, everyone. I think there'll be folks coming in and settling in from the break. My name is Bob Ferguson, and I am an alcoholic. I'm a lot of other things, and I guess that's the easiest thing for me to start with. I want to thank you for coming to our session today. Um, we will be talking about uh, protecting our brands, treatment provider, business development ethics, and intellectual property. Before we get going, um, a couple of housekeeping items. I wanted to thank our break sponsors. I hope everybody got recaffeinated and hydrated. And um, thanks so much to Lakeside Milam and uh, Sundown M Ranch for sponsoring that break. We, we, uh, we have sponsorships that are easy to sell at NATAP, at the National Association, and others that are harder, and people that step up to sponsor breaks are stepping up. So thanks for taking one for the team. Um, I also would like very much to thank uh, Doug Teeman, Mark Mishik, and Phil Eaton for your leadership, service to the um, to the to our field, and for setting the tone here for a fantastic um, three-day conference. Um, I, I don't know if any or all of you got to attend, um, but with uh, 115 years of um, personal and almost 200 years of institutional. Uh, experience understanding the context, the history, and the trajectory uh, of our field at this at this interesting time. I feel like a relative new newcomer to all of this um, in the context of their experience, but it makes me realize that this is a cycle. And for those that have been around, um, it gives us once again an opportunity as we move from the larger conversation on ethics. Um, the philosophy of alignment, you know, getting in touch with what are the core messages that we give to our patients and are we modeling those behaviors in our business? Well, now we can get into the weeds a little bit. We heard today about large companies, large amounts of money, large startups. How do you compete? How do you fund? How do you, as the David among the Goliaths, stand up in a world of search engine optimization, intellectual property, brand marketing, brand identification, brand protection. And, and so what I'm very honored and grateful today to do is get, get to facilitate a conversation where we're going to bring three people who have a considerable experience and expertise getting down out of the concepts and into the weeds of uh, intellectual property. And we have... Um, and I'll, I'll ask my presenters to each come up, um, as we did before, um, and talk to you a little bit, uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes each. But we have um, an intellectual property attorney, um, uh, Nigga Mc... Uh, give me your last name. Ataria. Nigga Makaria is, is an intellectual property uh, attorney at Baker Donaldson. We have Daniel Kemp, who's a... Uh, yeah, and fix what I what I do wrong here. Daniel Kemp is with uh, Dreamscapes uh, Marketing. He's a digital strategy expert, and we have Josh Weum um, from Google who will talk to us as well. Um, we're lucky to have these guys uh, in the room, and um, without um, 
wanting to constrain or limit where this goes, um, what you'll be hearing from folks today has to do with brand, brand identity, brand protection, offense, defense, fair play, and how is it that we, um, as large and small providers, can protect our brand, our reputations collectively, and what are the tools and resources we have both ethically, legally, and practically, right? Because who's got the dollars to compete at this level? So, with no further ado, um, I, I would like to introduce Nigga Makaria. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Well, thank you, Bob, and thank you. I want to thank the NAATP for, for having me and giving me this opportunity to talk with all of you about a little bit about branding basics and brandings in the context of ethics and all of the other um, points you've been hearing about this morning. So I'm going to, my presentation is, is going to be a short presentation introducing the, the subject here. And it's really trademarks, offense, defense, and fair play. And with that, I will, okay. So what is a trademark? I think all of us have a basic idea of what a trademark is, or at least we've, we've seen them constantly. Trademark is any word, symbol, device, slogan, any type of package design. I always say the UPS is a strong one. What can Brown do for you? That inherently implicates UPS. Combinations of specific, specific um, designs that differentiate your services from others in the marketplace. And I've, I've just picked some of the, the ones that I think most of us have really, really seen in the marketplace. And these are all relatively strong marks in the marketplace. And, it, and I think a lot of us even know the sound of Intel. That's their brand name at the end of any computer that has their chip. Well, so let's think about what, what trademarks are. Well, distinguishing a, a products and services is becoming more and more difficult. But trademarks, they help reduce the clutter and capture uh, the consumer's attention. Essentially, they, these trademarks are able to communicate, they communicate concepts of your services and your company, company to, across borders, across cultures, and in language, in almost language independent. Trademarks, in, in, in just a pure monetary sense, they're, they're important from, they're perpetual in duration. They grow in value as you use them and as people recognize them. And they can be bought and sold and used as assets for, for leverage and bank loans, etc. And tra trademarks, most importantly from a marketing standpoint, is they drive, they drive traffic to, 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 your, to your services and to websites and social media discussing your services. So offense, let's talk a little bit about offense. Two common issues. You gotta, two common issues with, when going on offense and picking a trademark here is picking a mark that will, will function as a trademark. So, a lot, of, a lot of your companies have already picked their solid core mark. And, but if you're picking a newer mark, you don't want to pick a weak mark. Would, would, a weak mark would be something like addiction services. That doesn't tell consumers anything about the, the services other than the generic 
concept behind them. So you want to pick a, a stronger mark. And we'll talk a little bit about the scale of what makes something strong or weak in a, just a very, in, in a broad context. And then the less obvious issues are, it, it shouldn't be used ornamentally in that it's just a, a mark stuck on places that no one really looks at. And finally, brand consistency. If you're going to build a brand, each, each usage should be the same so that customers recognize that's my brand. So the, the, the spectrum of distinctiveness is what I was talking about here. And as you pick less distinctive marks, such as in this case, uh, if you pick something like addiction centers, that would be on the, the generic side and hard to protect. Whereas if you pick more arbitrary, suggestive marks, it, it's far more easy to protect, far more distinctive in the marketplace. And the selection along this scale has real legal consequences, both in courts and before um, various uh, in the takedown procedures that we'll talk a little bit about later on in this, in, in, in this presentation. So my biggest advice is register your trademark, whether it's, a, whether it's a word mark or a logo. If you're intending to use it in a big launch, it's surprising how many people, how, how easily that mark gets out to a competitor. And in, in the market I've seen and in the way I think the addiction centers are structured, it becomes more important because, at least from what I'm seeing, people are trading off each other. They're picking marks closer to each other to kind of ride the wave of the, the bigger company or, or not even necessarily the bigger company, but just the, diff, the company that's doing a good job in it and trading off that. And I know resources are, are, are not unlimited, so I would say focus on your big marks, the, the ones that say, this is your services. So now defensive. So once you obtain the trademark, you, you, they, they're like any other piece of property. They have to be nurtured, protected. You use them on the you, proper use should be on all of the documents, advertising, displays, labels, anything that shows your trademark with services. If it's a registered mark, use the R in a circle, tell people it's registered. If it's an unregistered mark, put a TM, tell people I'm asserting rights in these marks. And make sure that only customers and affiliates use your marks, because there's such a temptation for, for people to use other people's marks unknowingly. And it, it, and it just damages the mark without knowing. And then monitor the marketplace. I think that's, a, that's one of those key things. When you see other people using your marks, think about it. Is it causing problems? Um, and then document those, those issues of confusion, if there are any. If there is a problem, I, I say the courts are always, the co courts are just one big stick, lack of a better word. But they're useful mostly when the direct, when someone's just copying a trademark of your services and it's disrupting the marketplace and they're taking sales unlawfully. So I would say this is where you have to be quick. You have to be quick. Get the letters out. Days, not weeks. Courts tend to be more expensive, time-consuming if you have to go there. But a lot of times, if you can be quick, the other party, if they're more innocent, hasn't put the time and resources into building that mark, they may change the mark without much push. 
And then I would say, document what's happening. What are the damages? What expenses are occurring? Think about how it all fits in. And then the courts are especially useful when you have to stop something immediately. If, if, if you see it and it's disruptive, go to the court, ask, see if we can get an injunction. And an injunction is just a fancy word of saying, of having the court say, stop what you're doing. And also, this is one of the other things I've seen, both from clients and, and dealing with, with, as we select marks, is litigation, unfortunately, is a good serving of a warning to other people. A litigious party, for whatever reason, their marks seem to be protected more because you know that person's probably gonna, going to sue you quickly. But the courts are just one, other, one of the options. I think the, the, there's so many other ways you can do things to kind of go short of the court. So I say one thing is, is maintain a library enforcement policies on, on your websites, on your telling your salespeople. Um, Google and Facebook, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get more information on that, but they have takedown proceedings. A lot of times if you have a registered mark, Facebook and, and Google will take down the, the, the infringing website, uh, the infringing sites very rapidly. I mean, I've seen Facebook takedowns within days. And then the more, more aggressive techniques are the, the UDRP, which is just a, it's a procedure to, to, to essentially enforce domain names. They get done in about 30 days, 30 to 60. And then the new Anti-Cyber Squatting Consumer Protection Act, which is, again, allowing the courts to get in, but not in as aggressive way as a trademark infringement action. And again, the, the relief you can get from the courts is the cancellation and the transfer. So fair play, now that we've talked about offense and defense. So I, I would say, be, if we're going to take brands seriously, let's be fair about it. So I would say honor and make proper use of other people's trademarks. We don't want to take anyone else's property while we're doing this. Conduct a, a, tra a trademark search before adopting a trademark. That way you're not taking on a mark that's similar to someone else's. And then, get, again, use the TM R in a circle to let competitors know that you have rights in those marks. And so maybe a lot of times before you've gone through the process of registering and, and doing all the things that have to be done, other people can let you know that that, that's, that we also think we have some rights in there before we get into a place where neither party can, can do anything short of litigation. And then finally, know your marketplace. At the end of the day, you guys know your marketplace, and you can tell us what's, what's looking ethical, what's not looking ethical, what's kind of the borders of taking clients in a fair way and non-fair way. And with that, I just conclude with, with kind of a summary. Create unique marks, register them when appropriate, use them consistent, consistently and often, maintain examples of your literature and, the, and, and, your, and materials having those because those are going to be exceptionally useful in, if you have to enforce your marks. Someone will say, I've used it for 10 years. Well, if you say, I've been using it for 20, you have those materials to say, I've been using it for 20, a lot of times we can coexist under those agreements. Uh, those type of scenarios. Actively take marks down. The more use that's out there, the less, less useful your mark becomes. Um, and take action quickly. I think, I, I don't stress that enough, and I think there's such a temptation, whether it's 
in the legal departments, the branding departments, outside counsel. Everybody kind of lets time go, and time is not our friend. The faster we act, the less expensive it is, the faster we get a result, and the better off both parties are. And finally, warn consumers. There are potential confusing marks out there. And with that, I'll turn it over. Thank you, Nigam. I have uh, the honor to bring up Daniel Kemp now from Dreamscapes. And we're going to move through these. And then I'll um, take our panelists through some Q&A and, and um, a facilitated conversation. Um, uh, so thank you, offense, defense, fair play, and a great summary of uh, some of our resources um, to talk a little bit um, about uh, digital marketing and what's going on in the space. Daniel. All right. um, so thank you so much, and Nigam, thank you very much for the overview. I will be referencing trademarks a few times here. Um, unfortunately, you know, my face was made for radio and you all have to look at it because I'm not running with slides today. So I want to start off by defining your market. Uh, we work with dozens of privately owned treatment centers across the country. We were working with CRC Health during their acquisition for over a billion dollars uh, by Acadia. Um, so we've been at the table for some very interesting conversations in valuation, in mergers and acquisitions. And because of this activity, uh, the industry has shifted, and you guys heard earlier today um, some serious heavy hitters, some veterans of the industry describe the evolution of, of the industry, right, over, over decades. So here's where you're at, okay? This will be a 40 to $45 billion healthcare sector this year. That is not, you know, a holistic summer camp kind of business. That is big business. That is huge medical. You are the single most expensive group of healthcare keywords on Google AdWords that makes you ultra, ultra competitive, okay? Over the last decade, as we've been working with people, we see these prices go up by about 10 to 15% a year. So you are subject to media inflation as more and more new businesses, more and more uh, localized treatment centers are popping up. So your competition is ferocious, it's level 10. And a lot of you have been telling me in the last year or two, you know, it's starting to feel competitive. <laughs> and, and I jump in my you know, DeLorean and I go back in time seven years and I tell you to slap yourself because it's been competitive, okay? Um, there is a benevolent agenda in this space for the most part. 50.1% of you are truly there for the patient, truly there to help people, all right? It's that other 49.9 that is causing some serious issues and requires federal regulation and all these fun stories down in Florida that you're hearing about. So. What are you as an industry, and how does marketing tie into protecting trademarks, working with Google? Why does this all matter? Um, and the quick answer is admissions. You are an industry where there's a $30,000 average value for an out-of-network patient. You are an industry where there's a $15,000 average value for an in-network patient, where detox can be five to 10 grand for a week, where there was a good run of pissing in a cup for $5,000 a test, right? And as you evolve, how many of you have seen something that you believe is illegal in marketing practices? Oh, everybody, okay. Um, and a lot of you may have seen it within your own organization. And that's a challenge because how do you evolve, how do you stay ethical 
right? But you're David, and we're aware of these Goliaths. How do you stay competitive? So let me name the Goliaths, okay? Um, CRC Health sold for $1.2 billion. They operated dozens of treatment centers across the country, medical clinics. Um, strong reputation nationally, okay? When YouTube sold for a billion dollars, it made national headlines. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, right? So to put this to scale, this isn't just a chain of hospitals. This isn't the Mayo Clinic. This is a billion dollar privately held treatment center network. Um, American Addiction Centers, their IPO was nearly $800 million when they went public. Nobody believed it was going to happen. It happened, okay? Um, love it or hate it, it doesn't matter. It happened. And so this level of funding is what you're competing against. When we say Goliath, we mean that in dollars, and we mean that in trademarks. Recovery Centers of America, $350 million. They will have over 1,000 beds online within their first 20 months of operation. So how do you compete with that? Um, ethically, excuse me, there's a key consideration in all of your marketing that I'd like you to not forget, uh, and that will also keep you out of prison, as the sentences have been coming down and RICO statutes are being enacted in Florida. That's how they took down the mob. That's also how they're taking down the children of those mobsters who open treatment centers. Um, <laughs> so again, a 40 to $45 billion industry but I guess this has never happened before. How could we possibly follow any kind of a roadmap? Oh wait, it happened like 30 years ago to hospitals. Has anybody heard of the Mayo Clinic? Couple people, Johns Hopkins, uh, MedStar, Cleveland Clinic, right? There are these regional, almost monopoly level healthcare systems. Um, to even do business in New England, you have to go kiss the ring of every major university health system up there, right? So this is where legal and marketing start to combine, right? Why do you have to be ethical? Because these Goliaths will protect their brands, they will protect their backyards, and they'll go to war with you. They're hoping to use that full-time legal staff they've got, right? So looking at these large brands and hospitals and this huge consolidation that happened in the 80s and 90s, how does that really apply to us? Well, I've seen urgent care centers popping up like crazy and making tons and tons of money. So obviously on a local scale, competition is not a problem. I've seen hospitals failing to deploy their own urgent care centers and orthopedics and that sort of thing. So as they're trying to expand their continu continuum of care, those that are small and docile and, and able, able to change their business models to their strongest core competencies, they are winning. So the reality here, as you look at your marketplace, right, who are you targeting? To be David and compete with Goliath, you need to be local. And we'll hear Google's take on that in a minute, but you need to be local. Um, it is one of the few ways to protect your brand, your marketplace, and your dollars, right? Don't overreach when you know someone else is spending $2 million a month on AdWords and think your 15 grand a month is gonna put a dent in their market share. Um, so there's been a nearly 100% increase three years in a row of private equity dollars coming into the market. Billions, right? With a B, billions. Uh, I would love to have a billion dollars. It's probably never gonna happen. So putting that in perspective, you're competing against those dollars. It's not even those people and those brands, it's dollars. There are 12 to 15% increases in TV, radio, and particularly Google AdWords, right? That's one of the main drivers of admissions in the space. Google touches 83 to 84% of admissions 
before a decision is made to attend your treatment center. So that's your biggest referral partner, but the media cost goes up. It is supply and demand. Google's pricing is based on an auction algorithm. I love Google, I'm just saying that's the reality. Um, and there are fewer potential clients. Is everyone aware that from 2012 until today, in five years, there's been a 35 to 39% decrease in the number of Americans with PPO policies? So more dollars, huge players, more Goliath-level operators, and a third smaller marketplace for out-of-network patients. Now that's huge opportunity for anyone who's in-network or looking to grow a large bed count in-network program, but that also is saying, Go local, go in network, stay in your state, expand to multi-location, right? It, it changes the business model you need to be focusing on. So realize that your marketing is all about targeted communication to an accurately defined set of audiences. And I'll, I'll get into the specifics here, but your professional partners might prefer events like this one. I see a lot of hugging going on. I go to a lot of other industry trade shows and there is not as much hugging going on, right? Uh, and, and I'll, I appreciate it, because I get a lot more hugs too, so it's very therapeutic. But um, for referral partners, thought leadership is the key. You should be publishing white papers and newsletters, and some of you do, and some of you don't. But it's a completely different type of marketing. You can't depend on just one channel. Uh, alumni, alumni, email, text messages, maybe phone calls if they pick up, but totally different type of marketing. So for each audience, the type of communication is where you're going to be able to defeat Goliath if you're David, all right? Targeted, perfectly laser accurate messaging as opposed to the shotgun approach, which is I'm gonna spend a half a million dollars a month on Google AdWords and my entire marketing budget for the year is a half a million dollars, all right? Um, direct advertising, that's your opportunity to gain new market share that other competitors currently hold, all right? So to address today's points, right, Nigam said that distinctive trademarks are the key. I could name about three dozen treatment centers with the same name, and they're all suing each other over trademark infringement. Come up with a unique name. You don't all have to be New Horizons, Beginnings, Feelgood.com, right? Um, and it's a challenge. It is hard because there's a holistic nature to the healing and wellness industry, right? It is all the same kind of words that inspire happiness and wellness. But you've got to be unique if you ever plan on defending legally and in your marketing your brand. If you set yourself up to be poached, you're going to be poached. Um, so the question is, can you compete as you, whatever model you have built, whatever name you're operating under, can you compete? Branded versus unbranded marketing. The key here is transparent marketing where you are saying, I am me, I am treatment center ABC, and I believe I'm suited to help you in this category of addiction treatment. That is branded marketing. Unbranded marketing. It's nebulous, confusing, quick win, short-term kind of stuff where if somebody called you back on that same number, they might not even get you again. Okay? It's... The branded marketing is actually cheaper and it builds community, which is great for your long-term campaigns. Um, and there's a lot of best practices in question here ethically. Paid search practices, as Josh will touch on, have gotten highly, highly, highly unethical, to put it simply. Spend a million bucks on other people's names, that'll work, right? Um, and that's where you can protect yourself with legal budget. It will, it will cost you less in marketing if you sue somebody who's trying to bid on your trademark. But 
they could just bid on the keyword recovery center, broad match, and they'll still show up for your name. So be careful that that's not what they're doing, because that is allowed. Um, I hope that made sense. I'll clarify after. So a quick tactic. How do you build stronger branded marketing online versus unbranded? Quite frankly, you have to invest in a huge website. It's that simple, and a huge community. So when you go on Facebook, build a community and build that base. When you're on Google, build a huge website. Create a ton of content, get it ranking higher. Um, marketing theft is another concept here. Can people steal that community from you? Not really, but they can sure steal your outreach reps. I'll pay you 10 grand more than the other guy. Come work for me and send me your 10 admissions a month, right? If you have a sales CRM, something like Salesforce, you own those contacts, those emails, those phone numbers. Even if you had to bring in a new sales rep, you have the opportunity to, to own those relationships instead of renting them and having it turn over with a person. There's an issue here with stolen listings, stolen brands, and actual burner websites. I'll just build a fake website tomorrow with your name, your brand. I'll get a bunch of admissions from it, and when I get the legal notice to shut it down, fine, I'll shut it down then. It's like a drug dealer using a burner cell phone. Same tactics, better funding, right? So those can be reported to Google and those can be reported to hosting providers like GoDaddy and WP Engine. Um, I, would, I would carve out about 25% of your marketing budget for defense, for legal defense, okay? Um, this marketing theft is happening on Google My Business listings. You can suggest an edit, right? And it just happens unless your administrator realizes someone just changed my phone number on my Google business listing to their phone number. And that's been running rampant in the space. Um, I'm not a clinical expert, but I have a dual diagnosis to share with you on a very prevalent co-occurring disorder. There are strong operators who are benevolent. Those are co-occurring things. And there are strong operators who are assholes. And that is a co-occurring condition that you're all competing with daily. All right. So, in that scenario, they don't care. They're in it for the quick buck, jack up revenues, exit the business at seven times multiple, put your millions in your pocket and leave. That is what you're competing with. So you have to compete long-term. There is no short-term marketing in this space anymore. All of those channels have gotten too expensive. So if you're not on a five-year marketing plan, give up, all right? Or go to jail, it's your choice, I guess. Um, you'll see Nigam in court, I guess. So. <laughs> Um, so, so to wrap up some of these trends, I mean, Google's doing everything they can do to put tools in place. There are accelerated mobile pages. The mobile search results are now completely independent of your desktop search results. And by the end of the year, that search algorithm, the mobile one, is going to replace all search results. Because 70% of your traffic is coming from smartphones. Not just tablets and smartphones, smartphones. What is the one possession every homeless drug addict still has? iPhone 6 or newer, right? It's it's a lifeline. Um, so offense, defense, and fair play, this is my final point. Um, the stigma now with all of this money flooding into the market, with events like this finding such levels of success and lobbying and organizations and, and legislation supporting this industry, stigma is not the only problem anymore. I think that the American public has become aware that this is a behavioral health disorder, that this is medicine we are practicing, right? The stigma is about treatment centers now. I heard Florida is corrupt as an entire state. I don't understand this whole six-bed licensing thing in California. Um, and people don't realize as they're seeking help for their loved ones, which is two-thirds of the phone calls you're going to get, that 
they need that education first before they can pick a treatment provider. So you need to become resources for information and educators in order to succeed long-term in the space. And offense and defense, I'm just gonna give you the dollar amounts. Your outbound, inbound, partnership, and alumni marketing should be 75% of your marketing budget, period. 25% of your marketing budget should be going to either a law firm or reputation management group to monitor your online reputation, your social reviews, uh, defensive PPC spending, and parents of alumni. When an alum relapses, you get blamed, your brand gets tarnished, they killed my son, right? These money-hungry bastards. You might have done everything in your power to save that person's child, but if you don't stay in touch with them and show that you care for the long term, your brand gets tarnished for that, all right? How much is it worth to keep in touch with that loved one and potentially have an alumni re-engage your program and actually stay a part of your community or refer more people? So that's my final point. There are tools out there. I speak at every conference about pictures of beds and food. That is how you should market, pictures of beds and food. Video, virtual reality tours, photography, it is the only truly transparent way because good luck convincing people to read words, right? That's boring. Um, that is how you build and hold and maintain a digital brand online and expand those pictures and videos and everything to the ends of the earth through social media, through search engine optimization, through PPC. And on that note, let's talk about PPC. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, wow. Sometimes hearing what you need to hear isn't exactly what you wanted to hear. To my marketing team, I'm sorry. We're, we're going with Nigam. <laughs> but uh, it's been great. No, thank you for that. And um, I mean, uh, we wanted to talk today about shift in stigma, offense, defense, fair play, news you can use, tools. And um, I just appreciate uh, both of you guys, uh, Nigam and Daniel, giving us um, kind of the lay of the land. And we'll get into some more sort of hairy issues and specific questions. Um, uh, Josh Weam from Google, and um, thank you so much. Josh, you gave me your title five minutes before we began. It went in one ear and out the other. We're thrilled to have you with us today. Um, so please introduce yourself and welcome to Josh. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. So yeah, I'm the Google guy. Um, and, and I want you to know that I'm here not to replace the old guard, but uh, Google has a lot of great solutions to, to enhance this industry and to get you uh, competing with some of these larger entities who may or may not be you know, completely ethical. So the trajectory of where we're going, where we've been, where we are now, and, and on my side of it, where we're going in the future and what's coming next and what's here now, we really should be embracing already. You know, how can I compete on a smaller budget? How can I uh, bid on some of these terms that are, that are now at a, at a high rate? So how's marketing changed? We, we, we now live in a world where we're not going online anymore. We're always online. We, we don't go there. It's going to be ubiquitous. You know, we're going to be online 24-7. A lot of us already are. It changes the way we, we do everything. It, it changes the way we interact with businesses. And today, we know that, like Dan said, up to 70, sometimes 80% of your, your mobile traffic, or so your, your traffic is from a mobile device. So we know that people are using their phones for everything. We want to take advantage of that intimate, uh, you know, that, that relationship they have with this device. We're, we're tethered to these phones 90% of the day. So there are a lot of things that we can do on the technological side to get you ahead without breaking the bank on you. 
So marketing's changed in, in a couple very specific ways. I, I, a few of you may have seen me speak at some of these uh, conferences before. I, I do a thing called micro moments that Google's done for a while. So essentially just saying that people uh, act differently. They're very much acting on a whim when they look for, for treatment. And in doing so, um, it, it's a lot different than it used to be. So we have what we call a multi-screen dynamic now. For instance, if you are paying for television advertising and you're not doing anything digitally or you're not really doing enough digitally, what we have now is, is when someone's watching a television commercial and they have any interest at all, they, they, you know, they get intrigued, they think it's pretty cool, they're going right to their phones to look that up. They're going to go right to, to the internet to, to see what you've got online. What does your website look like? You know, how long have you been in business? What, what kind of presence do you have online? Because today, that's a major reflection of who you are. And Dan mentioned transparency, integrity. These are the things that Google's really looking at. When it comes to compliance, we're not a company that's going to uh, you know, allow you to spend a certain amount to, to beat somebody else. We're very big on ethics. And when it comes to compliance, uh, there are some pretty hard rules with Google that don't, that don't bend. So it's very important that when you're getting into the digital realm, that you are navigating those policies and, and, and making sure that you're above board with all this stuff because there is a, um, you know, a, a permanent ban, if you will, when it comes to Google which is a death smell for any, any, any growing business. So people really aren't brand loyal anymore. When, when anyone, especially under the age of 40, uh, searches for treatment or, or someone's doing that for them, they're not searching for a specific name. They're not searching for a treatment center that they know by name. They're searching for rehab in Houston, detox in New York City. They're not looking at a brand. They're looking at that need they have in the moment. So we really need to be looking at, you know, am I, am I marketing to terms that people are currently searching for? Uh, one example that we like to use is, is proximity terms. So Dan said local is very important. Um, treatment center near me is, is a term, for example, that's grown double year over year for three years now. People are looking for something very close, something very convenient, and they're doing it in, in a very fickle kind of a, a mode. They're not, you know, they're, they're very flippant. So yes, we do know that a lot of this traffic comes from mobile devices. We also know that a lot of the conversion actions happen on a desktop. So what that's telling us is we have a lot of these touch points that we need to acquire. We, we know that when they're starting on their phone kind of on a whim, maybe on break at work, thinking of a, a rough weekend they had or something, that's going to lead to a desktop immersion that, that then will lead to a, in what we're looking for, a conversion. So, so we, we really changed the way we behave as far as the marketing side of it. When it comes to compliance and ethics, yes, we have a thing called conquesting in, in, in this business. And, in, and that means that if I'm Pepsi and I sell soft drinks, I'm, I'm probably going to, you can bet I'm going to bid on the word Coke. Because a lot of people who are looking for Coke are really just looking for cola, soft drink. So, so we really need to understand that it's not necessarily being unethical. Google does not permit anything like that. It's, it's, it's taking care of your own brand. It's making sure that you're there where someone else would otherwise be there to take your you know, your brand, your, uh, your impact there. So uh, conquesting is something that I would say, you know, we're not, you cannot put someone else's name in an ad. If, if you see another competitor using your name in an ad, that's obviously very wrong and we can take that down immediately. But if you're not bidding on your own term, for example, you know, Pepsi's bidding on Coke, Coke's doing the same to Pepsi. There's a small amount of that happening, Ford and Chevy. You need to be aware of the fact that someone else can, if you're not bidding on your own name, someone else can come in there and take it and bid a very small amount and then win the searches for, for your name. So very important to understand that while, while conquesting can seem sort of uh, like an unethical thing, the way it's done, um, there's a necessary evil there that, that is compliant that we want to be aware of. So growth, Google's, we're a very large company. Uh, you probably know that 80% of the world's internet use is happening through Google. 
So, and Dan mentioned the acquisition of YouTube uh, several years ago. That was a very, very big uh, move for our company. And in fact, I heard earlier this month a colleague of mine tell me that YouTube has actually moved past Google as the number one search engine. It's been number two for a long time. But what that tells us now is that people are, are very much interacting with video, and they're going to YouTube to search for things like treatment centers and rehab, uh, which dictates that we absolutely need to have a YouTube presence. YouTube is the television channel of, of tomorrow. Um, that audience is rapidly shifting over to digital consumption of media, and, and YouTube is the primary source of that. So if we're not doing things like 3D tours and videos showing our facilities and showing beds and food and things like that, very transparent, uh, we're going to be getting behind because Google very much favors the transparent, ethical, upfront, above-board company that says this is what we do and here's why we're the best. We can help you augment that, that statement and, and those, those you know, aspects of your business, but it's going to get a lot harder than it has been before for those unethical types to, to get in there and weasel in there and figure out a way to win. Because when Dan talks about algorithm changes, uh, we definitely have that happening. We made a, a large one at the end of last year, and the effort there was to clean things up, to make it easier for those who are doing things right, and, and get rid of people who are, who are trying to you know, use that system for bad. So uh, later this year, as mentioned before, your, your Google listings, currently you're going to you know, search for something on Google and see those listings. Uh, those are based on a desktop website. And, and, and there's not a hard date for it yet, but there will be a change where all of those listings are going to be your mobile version of your website. If your mobile version isn't very good, you're going to have a hard time ranking when someone searches for you. So we, we've been hammering on mobile for a couple of years now. Most people should already have heard, you know, you've got to have a good mobile presence, a good mobile website. That's absolutely critical and very, very true. Um, Google Maps is changing quite a bit to, to kind of own that, help you own that local presence and do a lot without spending a lot of money there. Google My Business was mentioned before. It is a free product that, that kind of takes care of your local uh, address and, and phone number and things like that. A lot of things like that can help you uh, mitigate costs by doing a lot of those you know, things that are free. We, we don't charge for that kind of stuff. So the last thing, how, how can uh, my 60-bed unit, so I'm, I'm just a one-off facility, how can I compete with people like that? Uh, we do have large, you know, it's a market-driven keyword system, AdWords is. So while we know that that market can drive those costs up, we also have ways to mitigate that by working with people who, who work very closely with us to look at other things outside of the bid amount, the amount I'm going to spend for the keyword, because there are two other factors that rank you. One of them is the quality of your ad, what's the ad saying? And today we know that that's changed quite a bit from, you know, maybe the mid-90s or the late-90s when you'd say car insurance and an ad that would say car insurance would pop up, you would think that would be relevant. Uh, 20 years later, people are a lot more spoiled. We're looking for more than just you know, a, a reiteration of the term I put in. Something more semantic, maybe. Are, looking for help in your area. Is it time to get, to get help? You know, we're looking at different types of ad copy to really bring people in, because we've had the internet for a while now, and our behavior has thus changed to expect more. We expect more relevance. We don't want to have to drill down into your website to those specific places where we want to go. If I put women's rehab in New Jersey and I go to your all rehab page, that's friction to me as a user. And, and what we want to do is make sure that when they say women's rehab, we're taking them directly to that women's rehab page. For example, heroin detox over here. Uh, people are a lot more spoiled. They're expecting very relevant answers when they make that search. And we can provide those to them um, as long as you're working with, with AdWords and with the right people. Another caveat about AdWords, we know PPC is what it is. It's, it's been a, an important part of marketing for a long time. What we're starting to learn in the last few years is that AdWords actually has a lot of brand building power. 
because when you're showing up on those top of those searches on phones, um, even when someone's not clicking on that ad, it's, it's at the top of their phone. There's a very limited amount of real estate there. And seeing your name there it has become a very good brand builder. We've got some good numbers on, on how much that has, uh, ha has grown. But really just think about the fact that, that having your name there is, is critical. And, and with, with you know, more and more paid ads being favored on top, it, it's very important to own a, a PPC share, to be doing something in that space, to, to own that, uh, that traffic as well as that digital real estate. So we started something at Google uh, about almost four years ago now called Partners. And Dreamscape Marketing is one of our partners. What that is is a conduit for you guys to, to get, interact with our company, to, to be on the front lines with us when it comes to policy. Uh, you know, I do not want my facility getting shut down because we had a non-compliant statement on our website. I don't want to run into a policy issue where you know, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do this, but, but now Google's dinging me and taking my site down. These are things that our partners can, can work through uh, us directly to help deal with. So whether that's, hey, I'd like to grow into a new market and use your new text messaging extension, uh, or do a 3D tour of my facility, uh, or it's, hey, my website got shut down and I have no idea what's going on. We're, we're losing admissions daily here. Our, our partners can help us uh, work through those issues and get that stuff dealt with on, on a very uh, rapid basis. Um, Nigam said earlier, take action quickly, uh, and, and we feel the same way. When you see a compliance issue or someone who you feel is, is taking your business and, and doing something uh, you know, below board with it, that's something we want to hear about, and those are the types of things that we can address very acutely and make sure that you, as a company with integrity and as a facility that wants to grow, are taking advantage of these digital solutions and working with our partners to stay compliant and to continue to grow that way. So when it comes to uh, you know, growth as a 60-bed facility, for example, can you measure what you're doing now with regards to marketing? Because uh, if you can, if you can measure the profitability of whatever it is you're doing regarding traditional media, you should continue to do it. If that's gotten harder for you to do, Google and AdWords and the digital things that we have today are, are very measurable, very trackable, and we do a very good job of, of staying on top of that and, and, and you know, showing you where you have opportunities for growth and what's working and what's not. So it's really difficult now to spend money uh, with us and, and not know where it's going. It's, it's, it's virtually impossible. So you know, be local focused, like Dan said. Um, Google's here to help you as far as growth. There's a small company in the moving space called College Hunks Hauling Junk that did something very novel. When they got into that moving space, there were a lot of big companies there. Um, they went all in on digital. They said, well, virtual reality is coming next, and, and people can text me, and I've got to have a great website. Let's go all in on that. And as a result, took a large amount of market share from companies who still had kind of an archaic advertising model. Well, you know, this has worked for us forever. We've always done yellow pages, or, you know, we do these flyers, whatever that is. If you can track it, again, keep doing it. But if not, uh, it, it's a very good idea to embrace some of the Google solutions that we have and to work with our partners to, to keep yourselves uh, on the up and up, as well as growing with the new technology like VR and, and text messaging and, and things of that nature. So with that. Wow. Josh, thank you so much, and thank you to our panel. Um, I'll just dive in here, and um, uh, I'd like to start with the idea of, uh, I'm not even sure uh, when the notion or <clears throat> school of discipline, if you will, around unbranded marketing, that seems like an oxymoron, like sober fraternity or something. But anyway, like, how, how can, can we talk to the idea of unbranded marketing? And um, 
I think it touches in, in each of our three uh, expert areas. And, and specifically, it gets to this idea of branded marketing, as I think Daniel said, is I am me. And um, from a consumer standpoint, we have a lot of unbranded marketing activities in our space today, with, which is really like, who am I talking to? Who did I call? You know, there was a picture, there's a beach, there's an 800 number. Uh, you know, my son's dying. Who I thought I was calling, the, you know, thus and such, but it turns out I may be um, getting redirected here. I guess from a trademark infringement uh, standpoint, um, is there a legal form of this? That would be one question I'd have for, for Nigam. Um, from a strategy standpoint, um, you know, I guess I would be curious just because I think so much of what you said, Daniel, had to do with, um, you know, establishing yourself locally and, and sort of staying in our lane, um, speaking to that. And I, and I really am curious, Josh, you know, there was a time, and I guess we'll start off just sort of fra framing it this way. I would say as recently as five years ago, it was my impression, I'm not a subject matter expert, I'm much more of a layman when it comes to terms and things that are going on in this space. But when programs like Cirque Lodge, Hazelden, Betty Ford would come up in the rankings, and we all in this room would say, yeah, that's who the players are, you know, in this space. Today what we see is a sort of a directory of directories. That's what I worry about with Google, is that, you've, that, that if you're not, and I want to know how you guys feel about third-party directories, because I'm wondering if there is even an ethical way to present yourself as a source of objective, third-party, credible information when in fact you are wholly owned as rehabs.com and other major URLs are owned by a treatment center. So is there a way that we um, can address this? Because we know it in this room, but I'm afraid to an uneducated consumer with a family member in crisis, rehabs.com or you know, recovery.org or wherever you're going to go makes all the sense in the world, but who am I talking to? So who am I talking to from the perspective of, from a legal standpoint, from Google's perspective, and from a marketing and digital strategy? And I'll just let the panel take that in any order you like. Um, all right, I'll tackle this one first. So branded versus unbranded marketing, right? Branded is mywebsite.com, or if you're on a Yellow Pages style site, my name, my phone number. That's branded. And that's about it. Um, sites like rehabs.com sold to American Addiction Centers for nearly $60 million. So how many admissions does that site generate through the 800 number at the top to be worth that? That's how many it was generating, right? The only ethical way to do that, and, and this is their current model, but if you give an actual directory listing, their own photos, their own overview, their own phone number, right, not a masked tracking number, then you have some control over your brand and compliance, but that decision could always be changed based on their own corporate practices, right? So that is the risk in these directory of directories. Um, you can have more than one website, so you could have mycompany.com and getaddictiontreatmenthelpnow.com, 
But what's weird is all those third-party sites don't have a treatment center's brand on them. They're pure lead aggregators. Um, and that's common. LendingTree.com is a lead aggregator. They sell your information with your social security number to eight different banks, and then they say when banks compete, you win. That is irrelevant in a life-saving industry in an emergency circumstance. It is unethical, right? So what happens is marketers from other industries have come into this space. They see massive search volume. They see the opportunity to build these third-party unbranded sites, generate leads through an 800 number, and sell you calls. But the customer does not know who they're going to be talking to on the other end. And the irony is you could just as easily build a series of websites for yourself, put your brand on them, Right? They can live in as many domain names as you want and authentically generate those same leads from that same audience. So there is this challenge, these lead generation sites, the call aggregators, which would be your helpline help line kind of a business model, um, and third-party directories. And the issue is simply transparency. Do all the marketing you possibly want, but put your name on it and make sure any of your vendors are putting your name on it with your phone number, not theirs. Um, and I know legally and I know through Google there are, are other things in place to protect you from that. Well, I'm speaking directly to the concept of directories. It, it, Google does not particularly like them in, in generally every industry because it's a way for someone else to come in and say, oh, you're looking for Google traffic? Let me acquire it for you and then resell it to you. I mean, that, that's one way to look at it. There are iterations of that concept that are, that are not as shady, if you will, but it's really not something that anyone needs to get into if you're doing things the right way with regards to your local presence, uh, you know, your, your branded terms, things like that. When, you, when you're looking at directories to, to get uh, admissions for you, it generally means that you haven't explored the avenues of doing that yourself, or you're not working with people who are aware of how to do that, because really what you're paying is a, a commission on something that can be done organically. Well, Google's there for everybody. Uh, why pay someone else to acquire that traffic for you when the means exist for you to do that on your own? Whether that's you know on your own literally, or through a, 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 an agency that works with Google, or, or another iteration of that. But really, we're, we want to make sure that you recognize that directories are not an essential thing, and that um, you know paying a middleman to do something that we can teach you how to do, or we can help facilitate uh, for you and, and do with you, is just something that we deem as, as not necessary. There are too many opportunities with, with your own brand name and, and the local traffic that you have that's already looking for you to be paying someone else to acquire that traffic for you. Uh, it's something that you can do without uh, using a directory. Yeah, and I, and I would say from the from a legal standpoint, this is the hardest stuff to the hardest 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 type of material to stop unbranded materials. In that, as long as as long as these directories are getting permission from people and they're not trading off each other, it's hard to stop it from any type of trademark law, any type of any type of unfair competition law. Is there, uh, in, in, to any of you as panelists, um, just as an extension of that, what would you say to providers who are contemplating um, participation in online directories? Is there, uh, would you say, Nigam, that there's uh, precautions or uh, maybe a toolkit for vetting, um, you know, these directories? because um, some offer uh, premium positions, some offer uh, free listings, um, or should I, as the owner, say, of Jaywalker Lodge, go after anybody using that without my authorization, even if they do publish my 800 number? 
Are they my friend? Or are they collaborating with me as they claim? Or am I simply, are they just simply piggybacking on my good name to direct traffic to their business? Okay, so if the directory is using the brand name of another company, I think that, that's actionable because you're, you're essentially using that brand name to draw traffic to a bunch of other people who paid a, this directory to drive traffic to them. So that's actionable. I think the problem comes when it's a generic or a, I always think about this in the, 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 the vacation sites. You know, got orbits and they all just the lead aggregation. And you just don't have any control of anything anymore as long as it's, as long as it looks somewhat, if they're being transparent about it. And I think as long as these directories are being transparent, it's tough to stop. And if you participate, just know what you're participating in. That would, that would be my advice. Daniel? Yeah, so what you can do if you don't want to be in it, right? All directories are just the yellow pages, okay? And they evolved into yellowpages.com. It's that simple. So if you don't understand what we're talking about, these are just a whole ton of websites that are just a listing. They crawled the SAMHSA database or something and got all of your names and addresses. And so they rank in Google search results for your name because your name and address exist on their website. Then they want to generate calls and sell them back to you or charge you for a directory listing and sell them back to you. That is the business model. That is the Yellow Pages business model and has been for a long time. So if you would advertise in the Yellow Pages, if that is a channel that you would invest in, then sure, pay for premium listings, go that route, but be forewarned, right? If you're not in control of the phone number, the address, and your trademark name, if you ever quit, they might not take it down, and they still rank for your name, and they can change the phone number to go to their main helpline. So that is the risk, and, and that is a business decision you have to make, whether you want to participate or regulate, and you can send a cease and desist notice to remove your trademark from their websites, but there's a lot of them, so you'd have to do this ongoing, every month, find the new ones. And to Bob's point, get them all shut down if you believe that's critical to protecting your brand. I would say if, you, if you're thinking of getting into a directory or going that route, um, hopefully you've, you've exhausted all, their other, all other efforts to do it on your own, which I doubt that's happened because it's very possible. Google's a, it's, it's a free interface, Google. Um, to, to pay someone to, to you know, get you results from a, a different Google that just cost you more money doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, besides that, like Dan said, you're, you're losing control over your own assets. You really want to be in control of where your leads are coming from, how they're sourced, and, and, and what kind of, you know, what that process entails. Because you can do that on your own. You can own your own name and, and, and pay for that traffic without having to pay a middleman to acquire it for you. Um, it, it's essentially having um, the option of taking free results from Google that, that are yours or, or paying someone else to give you the same results from uh, their own Google. Uh, like Dan said, it's essentially it's a phone book, and, and there's not a really good reason. I'd love to talk to anyone who's thinking about getting into directories because they don't think it can work without them, because those came up um, after the fact. Anyone can use Google to, to acquire admissions on their own. You don't have to go to a directory. And to put a timeline on this, seven, eight years ago, the innovators in your space, those of you that were truly looking at your marketing dollars, switched your budgets entirely from yellow pages and print publications to digital. Right, so this isn't a new thing, and Google officially does not like directories because then your search result requires an additional search, right? So over time, you will see that these directories, as Google is able to identify them, will be reducing in rank over the long term. 
Yelp even got a, a scolding and a huge drop in rankings because they were kind of blackmailing people who got bad reviews to repair them. Um, so Google is policing this. It does require you to tattletale, right? This is an industry where snitching isn't always smiled upon, but it's required. Uh, and that will get these shadier sites depreciated over time. Yeah, we're talking about treatment here. It's not, we're not selling retail goods. It's very important that, um, you know, uh, blowing the whistle needs to happen in, in this industry, for sure. So coming into our arena here in behavioral health in general and substance abuse treatment in particular, we are coming across a new lexicon as uh, treatment providers. We're learning new terms like uh, uh, call aggregation, right? Lead generation. Um, let me ask you, um, I think maybe a good way to frame this for all of you all would be, um, you know, from your perspective, Nigam, where do lead generation and call aggregation cross over the line between, um, you know, legitimate bona fide businesses into maybe questionable, unduly predatory practices and then just get downright illegal, you know, maybe speak a little bit about that sort of continuum from white to dark. Um, and, and then secondly, I just would love to hear your take, Daniel, on explain to me an ethical lead generator. Like, is there, is that an oxymoron? You know, is there, a, is there an ethical call aggregator for our space? And then, Josh, I'd like to know, you know, do you see tools and, and um, tactics in, say, uh, cardiac services that mirror what you're seeing here in this other life and death disease? Do you see call aggregation and lead generation for cardiac, for cardiologists and other uh, life and death medical services? And if you don't, what would, if you, would you take action if you saw a cardiologist showing up in your space the way we show up in ours? And so maybe we'll start with that. I think the, the concern here is more acute. We're talking about healthcare. We're not talking about, again, um, you know, retail goods or anything like that. It, it is very important in this space to, to identify that pretty early. Um, Dan? So none that I will name. I, I don't know that there are any whose profit focus is, and the issue here is it can be done ethically. Lead generation, lead aggregation can be done ethically. Um, in other spaces, many have attempted it with mixed results. Uh, a Place for Mom is a senior care placement company, and for many years they had a great reputation, and it's come into question more recently about the profiteering and how they, they make recommendations on where someone should go for senior care, right? So I think that the one flaw with that business model is it is only about the money, and there is zero liability for providing strong medical advice. So I, I suppose that if someone existed where it was a doctor picking up the phone and identifying themselves and who they were, and then based on medical advice saying the best fit for your actual needs for the treatment of your disease is this facility, and here is my name and license number and why I'm recommending that, right? If that was happening, then yes, there could be very large, very profitable lead gener generators in the space. I go even if that doctor were compensated by those not in the doctor's and and that's that's the issue. that's why this does not exist right it's the right. profiteering um, and it all evolves into brokerage it all evolves into shady practices so 
it doesn't mean that you need to flat out hate these organizations because a lot of people are calling a helpline because they don't know where else to go and you're not marketing enough to get them, right? You should be outranking these guys all day long. They're ranking themselves for your own names and they're eating your lunch. So to some extent, the ethical responsibility is you need to do more of your own advertising. You need to be your own thought leaders because these guys shouldn't even have a chance of ranking against you when you've been in business for several years and they just build a website tomorrow and outrank you. And that's, my, that's why I think this is a challenge because I don't believe it's an ethical marketing practice. We only sit, sit on the client side. We're actually on your side of the table going through your business goals and identifying the marketing channels that will get your message to your audience. I think that there's a conflict when you're trying to trick someone's audience uh, for financial gain, right? That is brokering at any level. Um, but I would, I would say that there's one. I would say that Google is an ethical lead aggregator. I think that they're trying to get someone's inquiry for medical advice to the top of, of your results, right? If you are the answer to that consumer's question, right? How do I get heroin detox? How do I get help for my addiction? How do I help my son uh, with his alcohol problems? If the answer to that question is provided in a Google search result and it's a branded treatment provider, I think that is a supply and demand macroeconomic way of generating leads yeah. for your business, paid or unpaid. There already is a directory. It's Google. Yeah. And so, yes, some industries get scrutinized a lot less. When we're talking about healthcare and addiction treatment, it, there's going to be a bigger spotlight on, on something like this. Well, and directories have been uh, you know, cropping up in other industries across the board, and, and many of those have been taken down as well. In this case, uh, like Dan said, we're, we're looking at a, a situation where you don't have to use them. It's not a, it's not a necessary evil. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to, to avoid using them at all. And, and even though, yes, there are some that operate on a, on a relatively ethical level, it's still an unnecessary cost that you're going you're gonna to incur there. And, and Bob and I have had this debate for a couple of years now, right? When he just worded that question, and can you name one? I, I cannot, and I think that's the point here. I can't. Can we, um, we, we sort of jumped into the end of the story, and, and Nigam, just for, uh, again, those of us that are not subject matter experts, can you tell, I mean, you mentioned, you know, orbits, travelocity. Can you, you talk about the, the, the lead generation and, and, and aggregation models? Yeah, so and I, in other, in, you know, in other arenas, and then maybe how they're crossing the line, maybe, or, or not in ours. Yeah, so I think the big, so at least I, I, I'm, I've been in practice now 17, 16 years when the internet was just coming to being and when the, the initial case of Geico versus Google at the beginning, which is essentially, we were, we were struggling with these things 15 years ago when we were trying to figure out whether Google could even sell an ad word of another person's trademark. And there, in that case, um, Geico was complaining that its mark, its ad word was at all for sale. Why should anybody be able to sell its trademark for insurance services? But I think we're going to struggle with this continually. And it's not a legal solution, unfortunately. I think it's going to be, it's going to be unfortunately ethics boards. It's going to be, um, it's going to be legislature, we, le laws. We, we don't want to hear that, but I think that's what it's going to be. Well, what happens when, yeah, when you're dependent on a directory to provide you those admissions and they're doing things that you're not aware of and, and suddenly they're cut out or, or they're non-compliant with Google and they're, they're yeah. you know, nixed off the face of the earth. You don't want to be subject to the penalties that they're going to incur there because you are working through them to, to you know, find a solution that you thought may be uh, easier, but really was an unnecessary uh, step there. 
Yeah, and I, I, oh, I just think at the end of the day, I think, Dan, you raised a good point. You just got to outbid these guys. At the end of the day, you got you to put money into the marketing, get ahead of, of, of your competitors. And, at, and if you like some of the directories, maybe you do pay for a little bit of that, that lead generation. So just I can, I can speak in, in our, in, so the state bars in all these various states have been complaining about the lead aggregators for lawyers. And I don't participate in any, and I don't think our firm does either, but I know our state bars are very concerned about it because you can essentially pay for that. Sir, you can pay these lead aggregators to essentially put you at the top of a search engine. And I, I think the state bar has been the one that kind of clamped down on this. And so I, I just don't, I'm not seeing the full legal solution at this there's, point. There's, there's another consideration here, right? For used car sales, who cares? We enjoy being remarketed to and finding directories. For life and death conditions, would this even be a conversation if this was neurosurgery and the removal of brain tumors, right? It does not happen in other healthcare industries. Because other healthcare industries have ethical standards and boards and bylaws and they all agree on these things and they have shared criteria for evaluation. Yes. does require reporting so it, it does it does they how would Google necessarily I'm, I'm answering for Google how would Google know who is doing that until it is reported and, and that's It sounds like there are some, there's definitely some miscommunication there. It, it's not, 
Well, when someone's outranking you in an ad like that, there are, there are other factors. The cost is not the only thing. We are definitely, we're here to mitigate that. Not me. <laughs> Google might might be back next year. <laughs> <laughs> So the question is, we were talking about competing locally, David and Goliath, and owning your, staying in your lane essentially, owning your market, marketing to your region as other healthcare providers do, which maybe could head off some of this. But Google, Google Maps is a big problem. Um, there are uh, practitioners and providers that are putting absolutely bogus addresses um, so that their rankings will go up, and then they're hijacking other people's and editing our my 800 number was changed. And so you do sometimes, as a provider or a uh, user out there, feel that you're not in control of how things are organized and presented in this particular yellow pages. So I guess speaking, I guess maybe a little bit, Josh, to the maps issue, yeah. to the local issue. Um, I know it's a it's a big organization. It is. How, how I appreciate your being here to hear this. Sure. But a lot of us feel like what you're hearing is that hey I it's passion. Yeah. Well yeah, I live in a town with six thousand people and one treatment center and I rank fourth. What's going on? Like you guys are smarter than that. But but your consumer our consumers may not be. They don't they don't know they're calling California when they're looking for Carbondale. So what, what is the answer? I mean, how over time can we expect this to be improved? So this is, a, is an, a, a great example of why we started Google Partners. We, we are a large company. We don't have the access to every individual need and every individual person in every industry. So creating a system where we can act as a conduit with, with companies like Dreamscape is a way for you to get on top of those things. So for example, I'm number four in Austin. I shouldn't be. Um, why are these other three outranking me? We can look at each factor. What, what, well, maybe they're doing something where they are technically allowed to operate in Austin because they have these facilities in this area. What, whatever those issues might be, right? If you feel like there is a compliance thing or Google's taking this and, and favoring money over, over results, which is definitely not the case with the company, 
This is where you work through a partner like Dreamscape and say, let, let me get on the phone with Google because this is BS. I know this shouldn't be right or that shouldn't be right. We want to address those concerns. We want to do that in a very uh, you know, explicit way with you. Uh, but it's, again, a very large company. It's hard to, to have people waiting to answer a phone to just call Google up, which is why uh, when you're working through a partner with us, you have, we're directly with you. We're on the phone with you. If, if you have those issues with your center, we would love to help fix them. Because while that may happen, there, there are thousands and thousands of them around. And, you know, I'll, we'll give a quick, can work through I'll give a quick avenues. tactical answer, and I'm sure there's more questions. This. Um, you are able to use technologies, technologies that Google developed as a result of being asked questions like this. Slightly different wording, but similar passion. Um, schema replaced meta keywords, okay? If you haven't deployed schema on your website, it validates your region, what's relevant to you, your addresses, all of those things. Accelerated mobile pages, again, on maps through your phone, it's a tool, these are free tools. These are things you can take back to your web developers and deploy yourselves. Um, they have had to evolve their technology to solve some of these problems. They will physically mail you a postcard to verify your address. Um, but it takes a week in the mail, right? So you have to be ready for it and verify it with a little code. Um, so there are these issues with UPS addresses and fake mailboxes and all of that, but those are much harder to deploy the deceptive practice. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Negum talked a little bit about uh, if you protect your brand, if you get out there and defend your trademark, we have uh, a NATAP member and in Seabrook House that actually sued to protect its trademark. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I'd like to bring that forward as, as an action step that was taken. Look, we could try to, we didn't want to have open Q&A because it gets passionate and messy, but the reality is we were called on earlier in the session to do better as an industry, and this is what doing better is going to have to look like. I mean, Ed or Matt, could you talk about protecting trademark legally and, and, and or frame it as a question for our panel? Yeah, why don't you come to the mic? That's, sorry, we were not set up for this. This is a super, super valid super. question. So my first question is for Josh. Um, when will the suggest and edit be eliminated as part of the Google business listing practice? Or will it be eliminated? It will. So the vitriol around that feature has, has been very recent. It's something that didn't exist a long time ago. You haven't been able to do that for long. Uh, in a way, you could say it was a glitch because there wasn't obviously foresight on how that would be abused. But that's the exact type of issue that, that we're, we're talking about. Um, it, it's actively being pursued. It's actively being destroyed and, and removed as an option for people because, for whatever reason, that slips through as, as something where someone you know, who's not affiliated with you could edit or, or attempt to edit your listing. Those are things we take down immediately once we have that information. Well, let me just tell you the, the issue. So it's been going on for at least two years. So in January, this is a screenshot of searching for Seabrook House. I have it here. And it's a wonderful address, wonderful picture. Address is correct. Phone number says, someone suggested this phone number, 908-324-5570. Okay. I called that number and it was answered by American Addiction Centers. Okay. 
Just putting that out there. Now, on this side right here, this is called findaddictioncenters.com. I typed in the name Seabrook House. This ad came up. In the ad, the words say, Seabrook House, number one rehab. It's not my ad. Call this phone number. I called that phone number back in January. I called it again yesterday sitting by the pool. A guy by the name Cody answered. Um, before I could get to Cody, it separated me into in-network and out-of-network benefits on the phone system itself. It asked me to enter that information. When I got to Cody, I, I acted like I was in need of help. I did all I could to act like somebody in need, and then I started asking the questions. And all I got out of Cody before he hung up on me was that he represents 22 treatment centers, and he sells these leads to 22 treatment centers. So my point is, before I attack Google, I want to look within and look at the treatment centers and the industries that are behind this. I don't have the legal resources to now go chase down all of these phone numbers. We did it before. We filed suit before. It worked. And five minutes later, somebody's using my name on another ad. So I don't have the money to, to go and chase down the phone number of where Cody works. But I sure would love to get a group of people together to get the research together to find out where Cody works. Yeah. So one of the things I would say on that is, there I think lawsuits aren't the solution. So I mean, I, I maybe you just kind of loosely use the word, but there's so many easy processes. If you, so at least as, as outside counsel, we set up processes so that we can take these things down very rapidly, inexpensively, without, without very many problems. I mean, I think our, our office at least takes down, you know, hundred sites every month because it's it's not unique to your industry I mean shoe industry suffers from it restaurants suffer from it you name it and we've got to do it and it's part of our our, our duties is it a paralegal does most of it and you just find a way to do it inexpensively once you process it put a lean system around it get it done inexpensively but I think it's it's something you got to do, and instead, I, I mean, I know Google is getting kind of blame here, but I just think it's part of the system now. I mean, 15 years ago, I was blaming Google, but now I think now it's just part of the system. And Josh, just before we do that, we have about 90 seconds, and what I'd like to do, first of all, Josh, you didn't have to come. Thank you for coming, and thank you <laughs> to all our We We want to work with you guys. Um, and there were a lot of, thank you also, um, Matt and everybody that came forward. Um, in a minute each, can we, uh, I'd like to offer you each a chance to um, close it out and then uh, we'll adjourn for lunch. But um, you want to start? I will start. Well, first, thank you. I want to just say thank you for all of you for listening to all three of us, especially me. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but the big thing is, I, what I would take from this is this, is pick, you have the brand names, I think a lot of you, a lot of groups are not going to change them, but protect them, set up processes so that you can do things quickly and efficiently. And it, it's, a lot of the problems that are in, um, in, in your industry are not unique to your industry. We like to think a lot of things are unique, but they're not. I mean, whether you're 
in, in any other industry, you've got to take the steps, protect your marks, use the takedown processes, you, you use the watch services so that we know what's out there, set up a process and do things efficiently. And with that, I'll, I'll turn it over Thank to you, Daniel. Uh, and I would say my, my key point in all of this was that offense-defense breakdown. You need to spend 25% of your marketing dollars and or 25% of your internal marketing labor on defense, on reputation management, review sites, correcting shady responses, filing grievances that, that do violate bylaws, uh, maybe have a form letter for cease and desist that is inexpensively deployed over and over and over again. Um, that did not exist a few years ago. You have gotten that competitive that it's a need now. And I understand that tensions run high because you're competing with Goliath. In Matt's exact example, yep. he found out who it was. It's a very well-funded organization, and they're still not holding themselves to those ethical standards. So you do need to think defensively with as much as 25% of your dollars and your time, unfortunately. Thank you. So we built a tech platform that anyone can use. We, we, we can't personally dictate what kinds of people are going to take advantage of that system. What we can do is react to, to you know, flags that, that something, Seabrook House should not be in that ad. And, and when that company gets flagged on our side to, to stop doing that, that can only happen a couple of times maximum before they're done forever. So I'd say that the best thing we can do as a group is report these, these egregious things, make sure that we're working with, with partners with Google who can get with us directly to make sure that we're acting on these things immediately. Because if it's purveying the industry to this level where we have this kind of passion, that's something that I, I specifically, for sure, uh, big, big on integrity. I want to hear that kind of stuff, and I want to do what I can to run it up the pole and make sure that when, when we see it, it's being reported, and, and when we can have control over those things, we're, we're doing that. Because again, it's, it's an open source platform. We're, we're reacting to illicit thieves coming in to do this kind of stuff. I, I urge you to work with your Google partners to get with us directly and make this stuff stop happening. And and I and yeah. yes. And we're and I just want to wrap it up by saying remember that we are at the industry's national leadership conference. We would like to know at the national association what what you as providers and provider members want from us around these issues. So it's great to have Google and Daniel and Nigam in the room, but as we adjourn and as you see uh, one of our 26 board members or Marvin or our staff around, remember two things. One, we want to do better, we want to get better, we want to address this transparently, so sound off and sign up. You know, we have committees that you can join, including our ethics committee. Approach us about it. Um, doing better is going to take a long time and take a lot of work, but you've got an organization that's ready to do it. So, and I thank you, you and thank it. you to NATAP, and thank you to everybody in this room. Obviously, does care. So.